0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. We have a special panelist episode for you today. So I am TJ Van toll I'll be acting as our host. And along with me, I have Jack Harrington. Hello. And Paige
1: Niedringhaus. Hey, everybody.
0: All right. So as a topic today, we were going to discuss how to stand out, uh, how to stand out in a crowd, how to stand out as a software developer, how to get your name out there, really anything under the that sort of umbrella, because we know it's a common thing we get asked about a lot. All of us here have done that to varying levels of success, right? <laughs> like that's it's always debatable, but uh, we at least had, yeah, we at least had some minor successes we can celebrate and and talk about. So maybe we could just start with the the basics, right? Like, I guess who wants to kick us off? Like, what are what are some tips we have from people that? You have a software job, maybe you've been doing it for a while, but you want to get ahead for whatever reason, money, uh, prestige, whatever. Uh, What's a good place for people to start?
2: Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to top-end devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv, and I renamed it to top-end devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com.
1: I guess one thing to say would, would be why are we doing this episode? Because typically as a developer, you think a lot about how to write good code, how to be a good teammate, more of the, I guess, the skills that you use every day in your job. But you might not think as much about how do I stand out from my peers? How do I get promoted? How do I get offered a new job at a different company that I really want to work for? So these are the kind of things that developers who are, who are going to stand out would typically do. And a lot of times it is going to be outside of your day-to-day job. You're going to be maybe doing something on the weekend or doing something after work. And it doesn't necessarily have to feel like a lot of extra work or a lot of extra effort, but it is going to be something that helps set you apart from the rest of your coworkers who come in, do their job, go home, and turn off the computer, I guess is the best way to put it. But like you can gather from all of us, I mean, the fact that we're hosting this podcast is one of the indicators that we're doing something a little bit different because there are plenty of good developers, probably many who are better than all of us combined, who could be hosting this podcast but are not. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason that that is the case is because we have all done something that kind of put our names out there and made us more visible to the people who run this podcast, employers, people who write the technical articles for magazines like Smashing Magazine and the the weekly newsletters that you see coming across. So it really maybe is not something that you absolutely need to do if you want to go forward in your career and progress and get better. But it helps a whole heck of a lot to, I guess, have things that you can point to that you've done outside of your required duties or job to help make that case easier for you to show a potential employer or even your manager. You know, I'm not just here doing my day to day. I'm also doing a lot of other interesting things on the side.
3: I definitely agree. I, I think if you have like a GitHub out there at the very least coming at it from the man- from the hiring perspective, manager, hiring, hiring manager perspective, is when, you know, where I'm coming at from. Like, if I'm looking at somebody's resume, the way that it stands out to me is if they've got code sandbox links that I can click on like right there and go and I can see your code and play with it and be like, Oh wow, that's actually pretty cool. That's me. You know? And it doesn't need to be anything crazy. You know, you, you go and you solve some interesting asynchronous problem at work, or you do some cool like animation, you know, just pull all the pull all the businessy stuff out of it. As long as it's not like IP to the company, it's probably not, you know, and then, Put that up on Code Sandbox. Now you got something you can put on the resume. Hey, take a look at this, and 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 that's going to make your, your resume pop right there. That and a good GitHub page, you know that, and that's fine. But I will say one thing before we jump. Like, kind of like, it's okay, by the way, to like be exhausted after a day at work and curl up with a glass of wine and put. The, I I do I did that last night. I'm like I'm done. I'm done with the <laughs> thing today. I'm done. So don't don't you know. Like, yeah, I, sometimes you're in the mood to like you'll put up with code sandbox and sometimes not. and That's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I like focusing on the why first, because th- huh. this isn't necessarily something for like, you really should have a reason you want to do this, because there there's many different ways you can live your life. And if you're totally happy <laughs> doing your nine to five job, then mm-hmm. the more power to you, right? Like Because yeah. Paige mentioned, too, that this is likely outside of your normal work hours, I'd say it's almost certainly outside your normal work hours, unless you're extremely fortunate, and you have some sort of position where you can put things out there in the public. I think that Mm -hmm. is the minority by far. And I could say like, from my own personal experiences, I got started on doing my nine to five job, and then doing some things outside of work hours to try to sort of get my name out there and get ahead. So I think you you want to have some reason you're doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is, it it does take time. So in my case, I felt I did stuff I thought was fun or that I was motivated to do. So it didn't feel like I was working an eight hour day and then coming home and working two or three more hours. I was doing things that I wanted to do. So it felt like fun rather than work, Mm -hmm. which is probably a good place to start if you're sort of saying like, well, what can I do? well, do something you want to do or something you're you're, in, you're interested in. Maybe some side project you want to build around your house. Those mm-hmm. sorts of things can be great opportunities to, to sort of get started up, down this path.
3: Yeah, IoT, and... you can do all kinds of fun stuff in your house, <laughs> you know? Little plug for Blue's Wireless there. <laughs> you know, you want to automate your dishwasher or whatever.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great one. And to kind of piggyback off of that, figure out what medium you like being in. So for me, the first thing that I started doing in addition to working was writing because I like to write already. I feel like I'm a pretty decent writer. So I just opened up a Medium account and started writing about things that I had learned at work, things that I had learned in side projects, things that were tricky, but I had figured out a way around it. So, you know, it might not be a massive tutorial, it might just be something really specific, like how do you have a card that's clickable, and then a button inside that card that's clickable, it could be really, really specific, but I can almost guarantee you that somebody else has run into that same problem, and looked for a way to fix it. So putting putting out these little specific solutions are all going to be as probably as useful to a few particular people as putting out some really large, I built a full e-commerce site just for the heck of it using all these, you know, new technologies and frameworks and stuff. So just figure out what do I like to already do? Do I really like to make videos? Do I like to write? Do I what could you do that you already kind of enjoy and could make that a thing that you do? regularly, whether it's once a month or once every couple weeks or whatever, try to find that thing that you won't dread doing (laughs) (laughs) if you're going to do this so that you don't do three of them and then burn out and say, I hate this. I don't want to do anymore.
3: And I'd say if you're the kind of person that takes notes as you are rolling along, you got your markdown file or whatever, you're like, oh, I need to set up an Apollo server, blah, 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 right? You know, And you're kind of like, I need to remember this for next time, right? So you Mm. write down in a markdown, you write, oh, you know, first you install this package, then you install that package, and you yada, yada. That markdown, that's literally a Dev2 article. I mean, you add a little bit of exposition, (laughs) maybe a few images, and you've got a Dev2 article right there. And you can just literally just make a Dev2 account, pop it on there, and then somebody can do a Google search, and they're like, oh, that's a really cool, that's a nice recipe for pulling up an Apollo URL. server. we're done. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And now you've got your name out there. And it's so
0: easy. Yeah. And with writing in particular, I would encourage people, don't let, if you think you're not a good writer, don't let that be a big stopping point. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. if you have writing experience, if you've studied it in school and stuff, that stuff will help. It'll help you build a more compelling blog post. But you have to think about how developers in general read blog posts, because most <laughs> of us, when we are on blog posts, we're reading it in like turbo mode, right? Like we're just skimming, looking for the answer. We're right. not looking for world class prose. I'm not sitting down with a glass <laughs> of wine, crossing my legs and like reading the next Kenzie oh, yes, Dodds masterpiece. It's like, oh, no, right, I'm yes. loading the page. I'm scrolling yeah. instantly to the code snippets to see if it's relevant to me and if there's something I can copy and paste. Mm-hmm. Maybe I read a few sentences for context, yes. if you're lucky, uh, <laughs> most of the time. I'm not saying there's no yeah. place for like really well-written stuff because that stuff does matter. But I'm just saying, if you think if you think it's going to be a barrier that you can't really construct a, an amazing prose as part of your uh, writing, I, don't worry too much about that.
3: Seconded and yeah. thirded. I, I remember I was writing for one company and they were, you know, I had this article and it was very popular on like setting up a chat server, but you had to initialize the database first, right? So it was like, here's the, here's the code that's going to hit the, the, the database server and it had to be initialized first. And the initialization code was the, the block above it. And I would get like, every question I would get was like, this doesn't work. Like, <laughs> have you, have you run the initialization? And it was basically just people would just like copy and paste. They'd scroll through the, the the article. Oh, look, code. Boom, done. And they didn't care. So, yeah, exactly. Don't worry about like being, you know, I don't know, E Cummings or whoever your favorite, you know, JR Tolkien if you're that doing glide. You don't worry about it. Write the code, and yeah, that's what people care about anyway.
0: The uh, most popular, is. The most I've I've worked as a devrel for for more almost a decade at this point. So I've had a lot of stuff that I've put out into the world. And my most popular thing I've ever created was a two sentence stack overflow answer, where all I did was describe the problem and, and link to a Chrome bug about it. And that thing, like I've got so much stack overflow, like reputation points and everything. And it took me like it, it took me like five minutes after because I, I had found the stack overflow thread by looking into the problem. And I made the connection between that and a Chrome bug. I just like wired the two together for people and like the, just watch the reputation points come in. Like it's just and been a gift that Illuminati keeps given. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it could be something
3: simple like that.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. That's the funny yeah. thing is it doesn't have to be extra complicated at all. It could be really simple. It could be something that you think is obvious, but you're going to blow somebody's mind when you share it or when you link it or whatever. And It's definitely worth putting out there, even though it seems like to you, it's, it just makes sense or it's just common knowledge.
0: (laughs) So I I do have one question. So if people are interested in writing and Paige, I'll probably throw this to you first because you've recently, I know, experimented with a bunch of different just blog offerings, like different platforms. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend people to start on like some existing platform, like a dev to, or to like spin up their own stuff? I guess I... I think it's sort of an interesting conversation because I know lots of people don't know where to go or where to start. So, curious I mean, your thoughts on that.
1: I would say that yeah, start on some existing platform, whether it's DevTo, whether it's Medium, whether it's Substack, whether it's something else that eliminates the friction from you actually writing something. Because I know so many developers fall into the trap of oh, I've got to build my own blogging site, you know, on my website, or I need to set up a website so that I can write blogs. And that's just gonna take you forever and you probably are gonna you know, stop building it before you even get to the posting section. So I would absolutely say start somewhere else that you don't have to build the infrastructure and build everything and make it look good and make it mobile responsive and do this and do that and the other. Just start somewhere, hash node one of these Mm. options that exists. And then if you keep going, and you decide at some point, I'd really like to have my own site where everything is on one in one, you know, place, whether because you write for different, you know, technical companies, or you write on different platforms for different things, maybe your company has a blog, whatever, then go ahead and include canonical URLs, bring some content over there and, then link to it from for the original source or something like that. But yeah, just make it as easy as possible to get started. Just choose something that's already up and running and maybe has a good readership to kind of help start the SEO process and make your name more known online. And then once you've gotten into a groove, or you have found your voice, or you feel like you have a, a good body of work that you would like to show off, in some consolidated form, then maybe you do your own website or your own platform or a blog page or, you know, something like that. But I would absolutely say start easier and then get more complicated and go from there.
3: Yeah, a lot of those sites like Dev2, it's like you put up an article and, and they're looking for content and they're looking to promote content off the main page and they've got all these vehicles to get people out get it out there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have a huge Twitter following or a huge LinkedIn following, Honestly, that's another thing like LinkedIn. Yes, it's boring, but it's a good place to be if you want a job, you know?
1: (laughs) Yes. Um,
3: Yeah. Right. Um, Just, you know, uh, yeah, you use that to your advantage, right? If you put out a blog page on your own domain, like you're going to have to do all the work, connect, get in Google, even look at it. It's a pain.
1: Well, and that actually, Jack, that's a great point. Don't neglect your LinkedIn profile. If you oh, don't have yeah. one, make one, please. And don't have something as your most recent update when you were a junior developer 5 years ago and you have not <laughs> updated it since then, cuz I can I know developers like this who have not done anything on LinkedIn for 10 years and they don't care because they're, you know, they're employed, people know who they are, they have some sort of a reputation, but if you're trying to look like a good candidate for particular jobs or you want to attract more recruiters to just reach out to you or you even just want to seem like a legitimate person who knows their stuff and is keeping their skills up to date and things like that just just take a little time every six months or a year and review your profile if you haven't and add some new stuff to it because I'm sure you've done something in the past year just, put a couple bullet points down with new technologies you're yeah. working with or things that you've built that were cool that you could link to from there. Please just do something. I hey, feel you like you're
0: on- speaking to me personally. <laughs> 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 you don't want to look at what my LinkedIn profile looks really? like. I'm, I, yeah. There's cobwebs. There's,
2: the
0: yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, the thing is too. So one advantage of, Doing so much in public is you become you can control a bit more of what happens when people Google you. (laughs) So like people won't find my LinkedIn profile if they Google me, because I have stuff like a a website and other things that are that are out there. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, so the one tip that I I wanted to bring up along when we're talking build your own blog versus post elsewhere. One tip that you can do that I that I now do quite a bit is you can create your own website, just like a very basic landing page and just link to your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like it can just be a link. Mm-hmm. And if you're writing sure. elsewhere, someplace, that's easier, just toss a link, like, here's a link to my dev 2 profile where all my blog articles are, here's a link to my GitHub, because that gives you just a logical place that you can send people for like, if mm-hmm. you're asked in a like a resume, you can say, Okay, I can throw a website together, this lists out all my information. And it could be a nice sort of compromise between building your own blogging infrastructure and maintaining it. Yeah. You know, but also just having a, a presence, a logical place for people that look you up to go to.
3: Yeah, you just got kind of to lay down a bunch of links, right? So you do your Apollo GraphQL server setup, you know, deploy to a Lambda or whatever interesting thing you figured out. And you, you've you taken that markdown, and you put it up on Dev2, you know, yeah, put a link on lit- LinkedIn. Hey, I checked, I did this thing, you know, I did, I did whatever link to them too done right copy and paste go over to twitter do the same thing bang right there you go now you're now you're on tech twitter right now you're a person <laughs> who's like posting on tech twitter i know i've followed so many folks that like they post everything but tech on tech twitter and you're like if you, i, I love just listening to folks who are like this here's some here's something cool i figured out you know and and then on your own site if you've got one and then that that's how you get that that name recognition rolling and it's not that hard like writing a link to your article that's got some spicy little text on there like hey you stuck with this you know i i've got the, i've got the solution for you you know <laughs> it's pretty easy and make it actionable right that's one thing for sure like actually a lot of this is underpinned with some things that you're going to learn as you get out there and one of them is empathy and to try and make sure that you're writing for the reader and not necessarily writing for yourself it's cool to like you know, hey, I did this and puff yourself up, but it's very, very important to like think about like what are they trying to accomplish? Like, oh, they're trying to get AWS deployed to, or, you know, or GraphQL deployed to an AWS Lambda. You know, <laughs> here's my here's my three code blocks separated by some scroll that nobody's going to read. You know, <laughs> and that's what they need, and then yeah, just make sure that you got that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing that that you might try to do, depending on who you work for and what, what kind of time you have, is you might try and make some of these things that you're doing, whether it's putting together some sort of a little talk at work, or it's putting together a blog post or things like that, try and tie it back to your work when you can. Like internally, you might be able to give like lunchtime talks or tech talks or something like that. So you know, it's something that you figured out on your team or that your team as a whole kind of figured out and you want to share it with the wider engineering organization, you can absolutely probably convince your manager to give you a few hours to put together some sort of a slide or maybe a little demo project or whatever to show off this cool thing that you've done. And the same goes for If you work for a company that is maybe a software forward company or SAAS or something like that, there's probably a company blog and they're probably dying to have more content, especially when it's kind of of a technical nature, whether it's, you know, demos of your products or whether it's some cool integration features that have just come out, or maybe it's just updates on the product itself and that users might not know about. See if you can write something for them. Because not only does that give you great visibility outside of your company, because people come to the blog, they read it, they see that you're one of the contributors to it, but it also gives you great visibility inside because now you're not just a developer, you're also a content writer. And you maybe you can make a video that goes with it or you can make a project demo or, you know, it just, it broadens your skills, it broadens your visibility within the company and it shows that you're not just a single person who can only do this. You can also do these other things that are extremely valuable, usually to marketing organizations and social media content teams and, you know, all these other interconnected pieces of of the organization.
2: So, folks, I'm here with JD from Raygun. JD, you guys get like a billion errors a month. Uh, what, What are some of the more interesting errors that
4: you've seen over the years? Oh, that's, that's a good question. We certainly deal with a lot of errors. Um, a couple of things uh, come to mind. Um, when we very first launched and we kind of expected, you know, we'd see some people sign up and try it. We actually got one of the uh, top 10 Facebook games. Remember when they were huge? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so they one of the top 10 Facebook games and it was, between us one of the most buggy bits of software I've ever seen and so it managed to completely blow us off the internet in like our first week of launching um so we we sold that's why I couldn't win at poker (laughs) those farm bill animals no yeah (laughs) um And there was another uh, another one always sticks in my mind because obviously we we track JavaScript and just like with mobile error crash reporting, you know you can't access the end user's browser console to see errors, so you really want to track that and report it. Right. And um, I remember this one customer, and uh, they um, had this really fancy animation on the on the cursor on their website, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, their JavaScript to do that. Uh, they deployed a bug with it, which meant that on every single mouse move event of every <laughs> single customer they had would send a uh, an error report to Raygun. Um, so, it, you know, working at Raygun is like dealing with a constant distributed denial of service attack and uh, doing it with style.
2: So so if you want to know what kinds of interesting things are going on that you're not seeing in your app, you ought to check out Raygun. Um, the, they're doing a free trial right now. You can get it at raygun.com yeah I
0: remember so back when I worked for a hosting company, they actually sponsored me to go to some to an event that I got accepted to speak at, and they s- supported me in everything as long as they wanted the company's logo on the slides and they wanted me to link to the jobs page so oh yeah, lots of times you know you can you'd be surprised it never hurts to ask you can get some support from even companies you might not expect because there's also something in it for them. Because if you're going speaking outside of your company, well, you're helping with name recognition of the company. Lots of times companies want to be seen as they're on the cutting edge. They're the types of companies that send people to events and can attract other people to come work there. So you never know. Um, Even if you're at a place where that's not the norm, it never hurts to talk to your management and see what you can make happen, because you might be surprised.
3: You know, I was talking to a guy at Facebook a while back, and he was Deverell with Facebook. And it was mostly about his impact. The, the metrics that he was judged on were mainly about recruiting, right? How can we get our name out there so we can get the best of the best into Facebook? And React was essentially... Like a recruiting tool to a certain degree, right? They didn't have to do that, but it was a great way to get their name out there and yeah, you know, make sure that people aspirationally want to work at Facebook. So yeah, definitely, there's a huge vested interest for companies on the recruiting side.
0: Yeah, hiring software developers right now is big business, <laughs> and so if any, if you can get any sort of edge, lots of times you'll you'll take it anyway yeah, you can get it.
3: It's an extremely competitive market for React engineers out there for sure. So, Jack, I
0: so I'd asked Paige about writing. One thing we haven't talked on yet is the video side of things. <laughs> and so I'll go to you for my advice there. So let's put yourself in the shoes of someone that's got a little bit of an interest in creating videos and YouTube. Mm-hmm. What, what would you sort of recommend as first steps there?
3: You know, when you talk there about doing brown bags internally. That's actually how I got started most recently on getting into YouTube was I was, I was doing, giving brown bags to Nike on all kinds of stuff. I I did an IoT brown bag. Actually, we had <laughs> the entire table of, like little, little uh, plug and play IoT devices and everybody learned how to write C. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I could do this on YouTube and get more audience. And that's what I, that's what I did. But I got to say, I mean, every possible mistake when it came to YouTube. I you know, I didn't do thumbnails, I didn't do good descriptions, I didn't do SEO, I didn't figure out what people were looking for as opposed to one what I wanted to put out there. You know, mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. Like, you know, there are tools that will tell you what people are searching for and where the competition is high and the the searching is not there or where the competition is low but a lot of people are searching for it, which is where you want to be. It is a it is a tough thing to do. I gotta tell you. So here's just having now gone through all that and, and <laughs> building up this channel. I can tell you, one, content is king. The Disney mm-hmm. Pixar thing is true, right? People are, people are there for the the content, right? So make sure that you that's on that's number one and it's on point, right? You want to build a, a video that people care about for like search for and find. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing, weirdly is audio quality because most people are going to be listening to it and then having it in the background They don't you know, besides like watching you maybe code they don't really care about the quality of your camera or the lenses or the optics or the lighting and all that <laughs> sort of stuff they don't care you know whatever but but the audio, it is like shh, if you're talking her like a Burger game Like they're gonna be like, oh no, I can't do that. Or if you're like in a cafe and people, you can hear people in the background like orders, you know, you're like, no, 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 please don't. Like yeah, uh, I was looking at this like new application, and I I, I won't mention the name because I don't want the guy to feel bad, but like you know, that they had a. You know, the homepage is a YouTube link on to their like promo video for it. And and I was like, ah, oh, the the sound quality is so bad. Like, why did you put that on the page? Ugh. Anyway, so little things like that. So content is king, audio is second, and don't worry about the video and all that. I will say I in terms of effort for reward though, I would definitely I would go with, with page's advice, just write it. <laughs> it's so it's like a hundred times easier than just yeah write it as opposed to record it and show it because when it you record hits. it i don't care how many times you've done it but your fingers won't work on the keyboard <laughs> if you hit the record button I, it's like you go into spasmodic mode and like you're typing everything you're like oh my god i know and then you're, you can't remember anything you're like what's my name i don't even know what my name is you know it's like ah, and it, it's just a mess and, and none of that happens when you're writing you just write you know, you just write, and 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 as TJ says, oh, they care about the code blocks anyway. So just give give the people what they want. Don't worry about the flowery writing. And then, yeah, if you if you really want to get into it, I think YouTube is is cool. There are there other things. I think there's also yeah other. You can also like if you really care about that, you do screencast companies that you can get connected with, who'll help you do a, screen, a screencast. You've done one, I've done one. Mm-hmm. And again, they'll help you do all that, and they'll actually give you editing resources as well. I don't although I think for Paige, hey, you did the editing yourself, didn't you?
1: I did. It was very oh, um, I will never, never do that oh, again.
3: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I learned a lesson.
3: It's funny you got aud- editing after, yeah, down after all this time, but it is
0: <laughs> yeah. what's well, funny, your note about audio quality because I totally do that. like if some if I'm watching a video and the audio comes in kind of crappy, it's like my brain instantly doesn't trust the video. Oh, right? yeah. Like, it's like, right? it's like, oh, this isn't. It's like, oh, it, it's almost subconscious where you, you mm-hmm. sort of think, oh, well, this isn't an authoritative source, right? If they mm-hmm. if it's choppy audio, that means it wasn't like pro- professionally produced or anything. And it's it's amazing yeah. how much that can just get you to instantly shut down a video.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you two a question because I've done a few and I don't particularly enjoy it. But what is your what do you think is your take on doing conference talks, because for me, it's a lot of work. And I am so relieved after it's done. And I don't particularly like putting together slide decks. So if there's some other way that I can put content out there, whether it's writing or videos or pretty much anything besides giving live talks, I will try and do that first. But I'd love to hear you know, what are your take on it? Because it's something that a lot of people talk about. They're like, oh, just go speak at a meetup or just, you know, you wrote this great article. Why don't you turn it into a talk? And it's just like, I don't want to. That is so much
3: effort.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just go read the article. You'll probably get more out (laughs) of it. (laughs) But what do you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know some people do 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 the circuit even. And you'll know, we'll take one talk on the road and just go talk at a whole bunch of conferences, which is really smart if you've got something like that. It's, you know, very broad reaching, I guess.
0: So the big fun thing, we'll we'll get into the fun stuff first and then we'll deal with like the, the, the messy stuff first. But the fun thing of giving conference talks is you get to go somewhere and there are other people there. Other people that are people you probably find interesting, right? It's another software developer meetup and if you're a speaker, you you tend to have more interactions with other speakers than you would if you're just attending a conference because you, you get to in the green room. Yeah, you For can hang room. out backstage yeah. and get some
1: swag. Yeah, free yeah, get some style. like
0: special free swag. Food. So that's one of the big appeals of doing it, right? You get life stories out of it. I've been to some cool places and given some cool talks, things I'll never forget. And so, yes, it is a lot of work um, to put these things. Together, especially like I've always had the opinion: if you're going to do something like a conference talk, you should do it and do it well. And lots of times, Mm -hmm. something that you see somebody present on stage that takes thirty minutes could take weeks or Mm -hmm. um, months. Lots of time the research behind it. Some of the good ones, I mean, there can be years invested into the background knowledge to make some of these things happen, but. I don't know. It's it, it's it's an art. It's kind of like what we've discussed before. Like as we go through these different mediums, it's something I feel like you've got to be somewhat interested. Some people are paranoid of speaking in public. It's it's its own skill in and of itself, and it's like any other skill. It's something you have to do to get better at. Um, mm. I think I think there are certainly people that are more natural at it than others, especially if you've had some experience doing this at school or work. It'll definitely help. Uh, but anybody can learn to do it. You just have to do it and doing like brown bags or local meetups or whatever uh, can be a great place to kick the tires uh, try it out uh before you start maybe submitting to some more more prestigious uh type events and stuff like that and also like if you're looking to get into some of these better events doing all these things that we've talked about throughout this podcast so far is a great way to get your name eligible i guess for some of these things because as someone that's organized conferences before If I get a conference submission, the first thing I'm going to do is Google you and see if you're an expert (laughs) on the, like if you can have proven record that you're an expert on a topic. Because as an organizer, I don't want to bring in somebody that I can't trust. People are paying money to come to my event, right? I want proof that you can do this and do this well. And so, having evidence out there, whether it's YouTube videos or writing or uh, Mm -hmm. anything of of the like, will help convince me that it's worth inviting you out to my uh, event in some exotic location. <laughs> I don't know. That was a bit of rambling. I don't know. if that helped at
3: all. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you want to get invited, having a, a lengthy history of talking about one particular topic, you know, I know like, I worked with Zach Jackson on Module Federation stuff, and now he gets invited to talk places because he is singularly focused. All of his content is around Module Federation. And so he gets just known for that, and so in conference presenters think, "Oh, I'm getting interest in module federation as a thing to do." Yeah, I don't know. they find him like number one, and yeah, that's the person you know you're going to bring in. There you go, and that and as a presenter, it really helps when you are really deeply knowledgeable about the topic. Like that, mm-hmm. that little IoT talk that I gave at Nike, you know, I was dreading. The conversations after that, because he would ask, yeah, you know, I was, oh man, are people gonna ask me about stuff that I don't know about? Because I only barely just scratched the surface with this. You know, I've done a few projects of my own. Blah, blah. Of course, nobody ever does, by the way. All those fears are unfounded. Nobody, like, nobody, like you could have the worst presentation in the world. I've seen p- folks go up literally to the microphone with honest to God, like three by five cards and just look down and just literally just read the cards. Yeah, and, and, and I walked out because like, I'm like, okay, I, 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 whatever. But no, like, I was one of the very few people that walked out. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, it was a like, hate walk. I was just like, oh, I can't. You know, but <laughs> I'm sure the content was great, but you know, whatever. But yeah, no, nobody, I'm sure nobody said to him later, like, oh, that was probably a bad thing to do. Like, they're, people we are very, very not critical of these things. So I wouldn't worry about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But um, yeah, if you talk about what you know, you're going to be far more comfortable doing that.
1: Yeah. And I guess one thing to consider if you're, if you're looking to get into this and stand out and be, you know, stand apart from your peers is how much time do you have to invest in this kind of activity? Because a conference talk is most likely going to require a whole lot more preparation and research and building demos and hours of just walking through everything. So you feel confident about what the slides are versus a weekend where you learned something cool at work and you just want to bang out a five-minute think piece (laughs) on it and show people how you did it. So if you've got kids or parents or pets or just a really busy life for whatever reason, also keep that in mind and how much time you can actually put towards these things. Because I know plenty of people who have the best of intentions and get started and they're really jazzed about it at the beginning and they turn out a bunch of stuff and then they fall into a black hole and they and it's been 3 years since they wrote anything and so you go to their website and you find their name and you see these five things and then you see see also that it was back in 2015 and they've never resurfaced again so find something that is sustainable i guess yeah which for me it it's writing for jack it's videos you know just figure out what your what your thing is and what you can reasonably do cuz i I, when I started writing, I wrote two pieces every, or uh, I wrote an article once every couple weeks. And then after about three years of doing that, I decided that once a month was a better cadence for me because I had lots of, plenty of other stuff going on at that point. So just, you know, try to be consistent with it, but also don't be like, I'm going to do this every three days and I'm going to release every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it's, and because you're probably setting yourself up for, disappointment in that regard be realistic about it too
0: (laughs) yeah and to bring full circle too because i mentioned this kind of at the start my number one tip for speaking like if you're preparing for a talk or whatever is to be energetic about whatever you're doing We're being enthusiastic about what you do because that energy is palpable people can tell You don't want a speaker on stage that doesn't appear confident about what they're presenting or doesn't appeal knowledgeable about what what they're presenting. You want someone up there that is excited to be there, wants you to be excited to be there and wants to excitedly share something that they've done or that they've learned about. And the best way to be energetic and enthusiastic about something is to be genuinely energetic and enthusiastic, <laughs> AKA, sure. it should be yeah. something that that you really do find interesting and that you yeah. really do want to share. Like, you don't want to have to fake that authenticity. You want it to be real because that comes across. And so if you don't have a topic that you feel that passionate about, uh, maybe wait until you do, until you you know your moment comes and you have something that really strikes your interest and go, something really interesting and you feel can add some value and put out there because you'll just do a better job. Uh, you'll have more fun. You'll do a better job. Um, you'll be happier with the experience as well.
3: This is kind of why I'm a little bit hesitant about the DevRel track because if you get if you're DevRel for a company then, you know, you always have to be excited about what they're doing, even if you're really Mm -hmm. not excited about what they're doing. And not everything that like every company that I've been at is interesting to me. Whereas- I don't know what you're talking
0: about. Everything Uh, I've ever presented, I've been entirely enthusiastic about. Progress in Blues, we've only done amazing things.
3: We've been flawless. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: There
3: is
1: no such
0: thing.
3: Right, but you could I, yeah, I. at least get to pick my own topics, even though yes. sometimes I pick from topics that are really boring to me.
0: It's sometimes. it's definitely a concern in Devrel, and it's it's the sort of thing you want to make sure to pick something that you do find interesting. I'm not going to lie and say like there's never been a something I've had to do that hasn't been something I find interesting. Right, just like any other job, you're going to be put on tasks you don't want to do. It's just sort of the nature of getting paid and you know not controlling <laughs> everything in the work yourself. But you can put yourself in a position like hopefully you would take a job for at least a greater technology that you find interesting. So yeah. that at least you're broadly excited, even if certain things you're you're <laughs> required to do on the day in, day out might not be 100 uh, percent what you would choose to do. Let's do an hour shifting. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully that was a good enough political answer in case my employer, previous employers are listening
3: in. <laughs> I think it's a cool role, though. Gotta do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're always considered DevRel as something maybe I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to take this too far off topic, but the
3: the nice thing about the DevRel
0: role for just the broader purpose of this conversation is most everything you do is in public, which mm. certainly helps with things like resume building and and that bit, because like your work's not behind closed walls. It's sort of by design out there for people to view and to check out, which yeah. can be advantageous
1: well and that's if that's the, the kind of you know if that's the kind of role that you want to get into or you think you do all the stuff that we just talked about is a perfect example to a potential yep. customer or potential client or employer that you would be great at it you know you have all these things to point to that say i'm good at communicating i'm good at building demos i'm good at speaking to groups of people all of this is exactly what a lot of devrel is about
3: it's also one of the ways that we source folks for this show actually mm-hmm. come to yeah, think of it just you. kind of go really go meta on it like you know <laughs> oftentimes it's hey what did you do what do you do and it's like oh i wrote an article on medium about i do like i don't know parallax scrolling or something you know and
0: like cool yeah hot. we're not reaching out to random people that work at you know, <laughs> quick 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 and loans and i don't know sorry they're sorry they there's like three people Maybe on this cool listen, listening to this that like this really hit, struck a tone with them. But <laughs> oh, we're, not sorry, to, we're not reaching out to random companies and just saying, you know, who are your random software engineers <laughs> working at your yeah. apps? Like usually it's something, somebody wrote something interesting and we think it would be yeah. f- fun to chat with them about it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you realize as you get into this kind of space, whether it's tech Twitter or content creation or whatever, that it's actually a pretty small community you'll see the same people coming up over and over again because they're putting out good content or they're writing regularly or they're doing talks. So you'll start to get to notice who the players are. And it's pretty cool when you have gained enough of a following that people will start tagging you as one of those people that they like to turn to for good content or good videos or whatever. It doesn't take, I don't think, a massive amount of effort. It Just takes consistency.
3: Yeah. Continuing
1: to put out good stuff on whatever cadence makes sense for you. And just being there and showing up and doing it again and again is after a while, it will start to pay off in some way.
3: I'm always hoping to break into somebody's top ten YouTubers that they watch. And it's always the same (laughs) folks. Like every time Mm -hmm. they leave a list, it's always like traversy,
0: (laughs) Rico Jam. The other thing too, and this, I guess, this can be our last tip, my last tip at least, is that you don't even have to be a particularly great software engineer to be good at this sort of stuff as well. Lots of times too, if you if you're the type of person that struggles to learn new technology, that can actually make you uh, counterintuitively a great person to write content about it because you can experience the pain of learning something and can help convey that to others. So mm-hmm. don't let that don't if you don't feel like you're the the top 1% engineer or whatever, don't let that stop you
3: either. No, not at all. Because you have that great perspective of someone who's just learning something and, and mm-hmm. you don't have that that curse of knowledge where you don't right. understand yeah. like the steps that it takes to get there. So
0: that, do we have any other tips for people that we haven't touched on before we move into PICS?
3: Countless, but I think we should jump into the picks.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can make this a six-parter. We can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, All you right. can always hit us up on on our Discord channel or Twitter and tell us what your what. How do you stand out from the group? Yeah, cool.
2: Well, with that, why don't we move into picks? And Jack, do you want to kick us off today? Sure. Hi, this is Charles maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com
3: slash coaching. So I'm not sure if I mentioned this already. Maybe I have, but I'll I'll do it again because it's cool and I've found a fresh perspective on it. And that's the, there's a new application the terminal application, only, it's only for OSX. I, I apologize for that. But it's called Warp, and it's a Rust-based terminal. It's considered, they call it like the next generation terminal or whatever. It actually is really cool. Like, I'm genuinely, like, as a person who's used a terminal before GUIs, right, I think this is an awesome terminal. But if you're the kind of person who is intimidated by the CLI and is like, I don't even know what to do. It's just like a third language. I got to learn this whole Unix command line. You're like, but I have to learn it because I need to do like, can, you know, CI, CD, or automation or things like that. They have some really cool features in here. One of them in particular is an AI feature where you can literally say, you know, hey, how do I destroy and how do I find and delete all of the DS store files in this directory? Right. You know, whatever you hit return on it and it gives you back, you know, find dot, name, you know, DS store. It writes it for you.
1: Right. And that is
3: so cool. And then, yeah. Right. And then like, if you, if you put that on the command line and you, do like dash and then tab, it'll actually bring up like, Oh, well here are all the other parameters. And It'll give you documentation for each one. Like, this is the one that does it recursively. This is the one that does it this. And you're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. So it, in in fact, I got to tell you, like, I use that AI thing. It gave me a better pattern. I had been, like, taking find and I'd be mean, through XArgs. It was just like, no, 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 there's a dash dash delete option. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Hey, neat. So, like, I hadn't seen that. I'm sure it came in at some point. I just didn't know. And there you go. So anyway, Dev, cool stuff. And it's free. I like that.
0: Their tagline and their website, I like a lot. It's writing code in your terminal shouldn't feel like 1978. which is pretty good. That's pretty yeah, 78
3: was a good year, but you know, yeah, not, yeah. Many, not the greatest for terminal.
1: <laughs> I'm definitely going to download this. This looks awesome. Yeah, it's
3: cool. Hey, I got some sci-fi themes. I made some sci-fi themes for it. You know, if you're into Blade <laughs> Runner or, or any <laughs> of that stuff, because their themes are cool. They've got like nice kind of. But I, I, I like sci-fi stuff. So I have like a Dune theme. Things like that. I'll put that. Nice. In
0: place. Uh, Paige, do you want to give your picks?
1: Sure. So, my pick is also going to be a browser extension. And now I think it just came out as a Mac uh, App Store app as well. And it's called Honey. And what Honey does is you install it on your Chrome browser or Safari or whatever. And whenever you're on a site where you're in the checkout process, whether it's Amazon or any really any site that has some sort of an e commerce part to it. Honey will look around on the internet for discount codes and will automatically try and apply them to whatever site you're on or it will show you, you know, this is what I found. Do you want to add this to your checkout? So it's super nice in that regard. And you can also say, Honey, I want to watch this thing and see if the price goes down because it will also just track the price of products over time to see if you're getting a good deal or if it's up from what it would normally cost. So it's pretty cool. I've used it a lot for Amazon. There's almost always some kind of a promo code that it can find, um, whether it's you know bonus points or discounts or this other seller is selling it for less or something like that. So it just came out with a mobile extension. So if you put it on your, your Apple phone or your iPad or something, it can also do the same thing now. Um, so it's pretty cool. So I would say if you are interested in finding codes without having to actually do the digging, you should give Honey a try.
0: Cool. And my pick is going to be Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie oh,
3: I just saw. Nice.
0: And I think I picked the first one a little while ago. So I, I saw the second one. It's quite good. I, I, th- I think the first time I picked it, I recommended it. Basically, if you have kids... Or if you're nostalgic about the original games, those are the two groups that I think would like it. And since I fall into both of those camps, uh, (laughs) it was it was a blast. They did a good job with just little Easter eggs here and there, like callbacks to the original games and stuff. So it was just a lot of fun, you know, pretty well made kids movie. So if that sort of thing appeals to you, I definitely (laughs) would recommend checking it out.
3: I don't want to age you, but are you at the level where you played the original game and you had to leave it on overnight because you couldn't finish it all in one day, but you, there were no saves. So you literally mm-hmm. had to like, yeah, okay. I
0: did. I did. The, the Sonic games weren't so long that, but I do remember the technique. Cause my, my parent, you know, as a kid, you'd have to go somewhere and your game was stuck in that state. Yep. So the, the trick was always, right, you just turn the TV off, right? Yeah, Genesis will, keep, it, Genesis will keep yeah. keep running, but yeah. the parents won't know if you just turn the TV off that it's still on. <laughs> yeah. So you will, won't lose your step.
3: Yeah, you I actually gotta, have like, oh, yeah. far, it, a farm cycle. So you got to like go through, there's levels that like you could die once, but you get three extra lives along the way. So you'd like farm it for another two, two, two. So by, it got, by the time you get to the end, you'd have a you know, hundred lives.
0: Yep. No, I've I've always been a big fan of. I've actually got, and our listeners can't hear this, but in my background, I've got a Sonic Tails and Knuckles that I actually oh, had from from God. when I was a kid that I've kept around. not nice. that I've kept around up there. So I'm kind of like a mega mega fan from back in the day. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, cool. So yeah, thanks everybody again for joining us. I had a lot of fun chatting, as always. As always,
1: it's a highlight yeah. of my week every week. Absolutely, it's a great time.
0: Cool. Well, thanks everybody, and until next week. See you then.
2: See you then. Thanks.